0: James is an amazing little letter. The author is Jesus' little brother. James was not a believer until after the resurrection of Jesus. He actually taunted his brother Jesus in the Gospels, and at least one time showed up where Jesus was to take him home for a little rest, thinking he'd gone off the deep end. But seeing the events around the crucifixion, and then that resurrection, changed all that. In the first verse of his letter, he says, James, a bond servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that means God. Christ means the anointed one or the Messiah. Now I'm a bond servant of God and of God, the Messiah, Jesus. James became the leader of the Jerusalem church. Remember the council in Acts 15? He kind of takes over for Peter in that home-based church. Paul mentions him as a pillar of the church in his letter to the Galatians. The letter James writes is probably the earliest book of the New Testament, perhaps written as early as 45 AD. If so, it beats out Paul's letter to the Galatians, and it also comes before that council of Jerusalem in AD 50. It was James who came up with the compromise at that council, the don't add anything to faith in my brother Jesus But Gentiles, please don't do these three greatly offensive things that will keep Jewish people from being willing to listen to the gospel and go all in. According to the historian Josephus, James paid the ultimate price. He was martyred in approximately 62 AD. This book is written primarily to Jews, James says, to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. Martin Luther, the reformer, despised the letter of James. He called it an epistle of straw. This was primarily because he believed its teaching on works compromised rather than complemented the doctrine of salvation by grace alone. Martin Luther wanted to cut it out of his Bible, but he didn't dare. He believed somehow it belonged in the canon. I may come back to that question in this episode, or let you study it on your own. I'm quite certain Jesus' little brother, the one who led the Council of Jerusalem to conclude its faith in Christ alone, didn't intend to communicate in this letter that works were necessary for salvation, as Martin Luther feared it did. In terms of its literature style, though a letter, James is essentially wisdom literature. Short, general truths for how to live wisely as a follower of Jesus in this messed up, broken down world. It's kind of the Proverbs of the New Testament. James doesn't beat around the bush. James is clearly not from Minnesota. He doesn't try to be nice. In 108 verses, James gives 54 sharp commands. He'd probably make a terrible counselor. There's no place in this entire letter where he asks, how does that make you feel? He just says, do this. James teaches so many practical things. Like what? Well, let me walk you through them in order. What do you do when your life is tested or difficult? James says, suck it up and endure. Testing and trouble polish us up. And when you press through it, it gains favor with God. Wondering what to do with the decision? Need wisdom? Here's a thought. Ask. Ask God. And ask believing God is for you and will guide you. What good is it to ask if you don't believe God is for you and will guide you? Riches, they're a mirage. Pursuing them is a fool's errand. Gaining riches by abusing others puts you in the line of fire of a God who defends the harassed. Never blame God for your bad choices. God does not tempt, period. Temptation is like pregnancy. A thought is conceived, a longing incubated. And it gives birth to sin. And guess where sin leads? To the grave, to death. Blessings, on the other hand, are from God. And the first and biggest of these blessings is being chosen by God to believe in Jesus. Let's talk about your tongue. It's the best indicator of what's in your heart. It spills out all the heart sludge. And with a gross heart, you can't tame the tongue, you use it as a weapon. It burns things down like fire. First, you must change the heart. That's God's jurisdiction. And while your heart's being changed, God gave us two ears and one mouth. Now think about it. The ratio is intentional. Be slow to speak and quick to hear and never, never act in anger. It never works out for God's good. And speaking of talk, talk is cheap. Back it up with actions. You wonder what kind of actions? How about care for the left behind like widows and orphans? There's a reason those folks move my brother Jesus with compassion. They should move you too. And speaking of work, work hard to keep the world's stains off you. You belong to Jesus now. And never think you're stainless or you're better than others just because you belong to God. Don't put price tags on anyone because you'll price reduce the poor. Partiality and price tagging is flat out sin. If you have to err on one side or the other of being a truth teller or a grace giver, go with grace. We'll be judged by the same standard we judge others, and mercy is better than judgment. About that faith and works thing. If you say you have faith but it doesn't flow in your works, what's up with that? Abraham believed and he did something. He almost sacrificed Isaac. Rahab believed and she did something. She hid the spies. The demons believe, but they don't do anything. They've got great theology, but they don't follow through. Readers, works out here for God demonstrate if belief is in there at all. People need to be taught, but be careful, teachers. It comes with a job hazard, judgment if you mislead. So recognize that as a teacher, you're also broken. And recognize that five ounce muscle in your mouth called your tongue can set lives on fire and push them toward hell itself. Ask God to help you teach well. Guard for jealousy and self centered ambition. They're from the pit of hell. The wisdom that comes from God is pure and peaceable, it's gentle and reasonable, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's unwavering, without hypocrisy. And it is peace chasing. And speaking of peace, why do so many fights break out among believers? I'll tell you why. You want something the world offers that you don't have. You don't ask God for contentment. Just stuff to feed the appetite of the world in you. So hear this. You can't pursue life in this world and life with God. They just don't run together. They're enemies. You've got to choose which you will pursue. You can have a close relationship with God. Draw near to God, humbly, and he will draw nearer to you. But stand your ground against the devil, and he'll run from you. Dear readers, don't dabble in sin. Hate it. Mourn it. Ask God to help you have victory over it. Wake up and realize how fragile your life is. We're a vapor. Poof. We're gone. Get up tomorrow and say, God willing. I'll do this today. God may not be willing. He may call you home. Live with that in mind. Don't just crawl into bed at night saying, Hey, I didn't do something sinful today. Instead, think, What did God prompt me to do that I failed to do? That's sin, too. Jesus, our Messiah and Lord, told us He's returning. Live for Him. Wait patiently, like a farmer, for His return. If necessary, suffer for doing right by Him. And speaking of suffering, when you suffer, call for your brothers and sisters. Have them pray over you. Even get out the oil and anoint you. Prayer people is powerful. As an aside, church historians say James was nicknamed Camel Knees from his habit of continual prayer. James then continues, Maybe see if there's any sin in your life under the surface. Sometimes we bring suffering upon ourselves. Confess this sin to others. Confession is also powerful. James points to Elijah. He prays that it would not rain and bam, 42 months, not a drop. Then he prays and a cloud burst. Prayer is powerful. James ends with, don't let your brother or sister stray. Go after him or her. He or she is precious to my brother, the good shepherd. So, do you hear anything practical there? I'm guessing 80% of what you and I struggle with is addressed in this little 108 verse letter from Jesus' little brother. James' bossy message has been so impactful to me, I decided to memorize the entire book. My students find this rather shocking until I remind them that they probably know a thousand songs on the radio word perfect. I tell them memorizing it was pretty easy. Living it out is what's challenging. James is not the only little brother of Jesus who wrote a letter. There's also one written by his brother Jude. We'll get to that in a few episodes. But first, we have some treasures from two of Jesus' disciples. Two men on his inner circle, Peter and John. And we'll look at the two little letters from Peter the rock in our next word picture.